We're continuing the series we started last week in the book of Proverbs, and today we're looking at the power of words, and I'm looking at uh, chapter 10, uh, verses 11 through 23, even though there are many places in the book of Proverbs that talk about the power of words. Hear now this word from God's word. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked contains violence. Hatred stirs up dissension, but love covers over all wrongs. Wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning, but a rod is for the back of the one who has no sense. The wise store up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool invites ruin. The wealth of the city, uh, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. The wages of the righteous is life, but the earnings of the wicked are sin and death. Whoever heeds discipline knows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. Whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. The lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of sense. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. Fools pl find pleasure in wicked schemes, but those who have understanding delight in wisdom. As I say, the Proverbs contain many sayings about the power of words, second only to uh, speaking of wisdom, which is what we looked at last week. Uh, words we find through this passage are powerful, and we are called to use them accordingly. You just think about the power of words. Jesus himself was called the Word, the Word revealed to us. At the beginning, at creation, God created everything that is out of nothing using the power of words. He said it, it came to be, and then he said, it is good. Now we're going to look at three different uh, words, three different types of words. First, the words that others speak to you. In Proverbs 18.21 is sort of a theme verse of much of, of the Proverbs, and that is the tongue has the power of life and death. And we looked at last week the wisdom that tells us that it is wise to continue to learn. Be open to learn, as John Calvin said, have a teachable spirit. We find reference to that in um, the, the first verse I read. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. If you want to learn, if you want to grow, if you want to have life, listen to the words of the righteous. Verse 14, the wise store up knowledge. And verse 17, whoever heeds discipline shows the way to life. In other words, be ready to grow, be ready to learn, be ready to admit that you don't already know it all. In verse 23, those who have understanding delight in wisdom. They delight 
in learning more. Fools, however, spurn new information. Verse 17, whoever ignores correction leads others astray. Verse 20 and 21, and I'm going to use these verses to help us a little bit to understand how uh, the poetic books of the Old Testament work. Hebrew poetry is not like our poetry in that it is not based on rhyme and meter. It is based on parallelism. In other words, there will be a phrase and then another phrase, and the, the meaning is often tied up in the interrelatedness of these two phrases. So let's look now at verse 20. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is little value. Now, when you put those two uh, phrases together, you'll see two references to muscles in the human body, the heart and the tongue. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. A value judgment, great value, has the tongue of the righteous. And then look at the next phrase, the heart of the wicked is of little value. So great value for the righteous, little value for the wicked. But notice what else the psalmist is doing, the poet is doing, in putting these two phrases together. You are supposed to, as you look at these two phrases together, think about why heart is used for the righteous and tongue is used. I'm sorry, why tongue is used of the righteous and heart is used of the wicked. And what that's showing us is that the heart and the tongue are very closely related. Out of the mouth, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we, we know that it is what is going on inside of us that leads us to say what we say. Uh, verse 21, the lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of sense. In other words, because these phrases are put together, fools die, they starve because they don't have the sense they need to learn what they need to learn. Now, this isn't necessarily physical death, but think about the, the, the lives of those who are unwilling to learn. And things fall apart for them. Things don't work for them because they are unwilling to learn, because they fail to listen to the words of the righteous. Proverbs twelve fifteen says, The way of a fool seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. That's a pretty good summation of what I'm trying to say here. James 1.19, a verse that I've used a few times in recent weeks and will probably use again. Take note, James says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So listen to the words of others who are trying to instruct you. Listen to the words of the wise, and you will grow wise yourself. Next, the words you speak to others. First, we looked at the words others speak to you. Now let's look at the words you speak to others. Again, Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and of death. Your words 
can cause death. They can cause a lot of damage. Now, in popular culture, at least on television, the, the, the quick put-down is very popular. If someone can get a really good cut in, the audience often erupts with applause and cheers. You can get someone to, you can put them in their place quickly. You can get a reaction easily. But look again at verse 12. Hatred stirs up dissension. What we are called to is love, which covers all wrongs. Years ago, when I was learning Greek, I learned what the word sarcasm means. Sarks in Greek is flesh. So my professor said, sarcasm is flesh-eating. In other words, sarcasm, especially as directed toward others, is destroying them. And we know the power of our words to destroy. I'm going to turn now to James chapter 3. Now, James, if, you, if you're a student of Scripture, you may uh, look carefully at the book of James and uh, the book of Proverbs and compare them because James is sort of a, an echo of the themes of the book of Proverbs. I'm going to start at chapter 3, verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say and is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. While we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Harsh words about the tongue. Not to say you should never speak, but that does caution us to speak very carefully. And did you notice that last phrase, set on fire by hell itself? Last week, or a couple of weeks ago, we, we looked at the enemy, the enemy who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And let me tell you, I'm quite sure that the enemy loves to use our mouths as his tools to put other people down, to spout foolishness, to jeopardize our witness toward the love of God by the things that, that we say. Be careful. Do not give the devil a foothold with your words. Your words, as they bring damage to others, can also bring damage to you. They can break a relationship. They can hurt your reputation. And just one little aside here, I see a lot of people posting various memes on Facebook written by someone else that they say, I want to say this too. And realize that when you're saying, when you're posting that, you are saying it as if they were your words. And please, I encourage you to understand where those memes come from, what the underlying purpose of them might be. It might not be what you think. So just be careful, once again, with words. And, you know, the, the scripture was written in an oral time. The, the, there was not much written word, uh, and tradition was passed down orally. The 
stories were told uh, rather than written, but today we have all kinds of writing, and uh, everything that the scripture says about the tongue is just as true of the thumb or the fingers as they type on that that phone screen and the fingers as they type on the computer screen. Words matter. And you can never unsay a word. This passage for me this week, this sermon for me this week, is not just an academic exercise. A couple of weeks ago, or last week, I was anxious, and I texted someone to someone I, something to someone I care very much about, and that something was hurtful. And it has caused a break in our relationship that hurts me, and I know hurts this person, and I pray that we're able to fix it. But it was my words. It was my words said in anxiety that caused this problem. And I can't unsay them. I can't untype them. Lloyd John Ogilvie tells the story. He was the pastor at First Presbyterian Church of Hollywood, California for many years. He tells the story of... Um, a Scotsman who had a bit of a conflict with uh, someone else in his community and heard a really ugly story about this person and said, ah, I like that one. I'm going to tell that one all over town. Well, the problem was that the story wasn't true. The problem also was that the story was very hurtful and his, his um, motives for telling this story were ugly. So when he found out then that the story wasn't true and that it had done horrible damage to this other person, he went to the vicar and said, Vicar, how can I fix this? And the pastor said, well, take a feather, take many feathers and put a bag of feathers and put one feather on each doorpost of every home in this village and the outskirts. Well, the man did what he was told, and he came back to the vicar and said, I've done what you asked now. Is it right? Is it all right? Am I okay? And the vicar said, no, the next step now is to go and collect every single feather you put on every single yard and every single doorpost in the village. And the man said, well, that is not possible. And the vicar said, in the same way, you cannot counsel out words that have been said. Just like words can do damage, words can bless. Words can bless deeply. Uh, Ogilvy again says, you can, your words can be a source of awe, leading people to a greater wonder to, and, the, and to the discovery of the unique miracle that God has created them to be. God loves relationships. God loves it when our words are used to encourage each other, when our words are used to build relationship with each other and with God himself. There's one story about a man who made a sandwich for his wife and, and he gave it to her and she said, why do you always give me the heel of the loaf of bread? For 20 years we've been married and you always give me the heel of the loaf of bread. And he said, well, that's because that's my favorite piece. She understood it as the least favorite piece. And so she thought she was being slighted when she was actually being honored. A silly little story. But how often would just a few words of, 
of seeking understanding build a relationship where we otherwise make assumptions that destroy relationship. Folks, do the hard work of speaking, speaking the truth in love, in mercy, and in grace. For words can do a lot of good and bring great blessing and heal relationships that God values. In Matthew 12, 34 to 37, we find this. Jesus says, The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Our words are important to God. Just think of that person that you've belittled, that person that you've made feel inferior, and think of standing before God and having God say to you, how could you ever have said that to or said that about this person I love so dearly. God values relationships. And what Jesus tells us here is that what we say is the result of what we have harbored in our hearts. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart. Everything else flows from it. And that reminds me what I needed to learn before last week to guard your words when you're anxious, to guard your words when you're angry, to guard your words always, to make sure that what you say will lift people up, will encourage people, will, will encourage relationship and deepen relationship and not easily put someone down or carelessly destroy someone else's spirit. And the problem often is that we try to fix our words when what we really need to do is to fix our hearts. If you find that your words are cutting, if you find that you are thinking things to say that are unkind, that would be damaging to someone, fix your heart. In other words, seek the Lord, seek his goodness, seek his grace, seek to be filled with him. And then what flows out of your mouth will be much kinder, will be much more filled with God's grace. Finally, we looked at the words others speak to you. We looked at the words you speak to others. And now I want to look for just a moment at words you may speak to yourself. Words you speak to yourself that limit you, self-defeating words, maybe something someone said long time ago that you hold on to and repeat. Something that makes you feel less than, something that makes you feel unable, something that makes you feel bad about yourself. Something that makes you doubt God's love and purpose for you. These are false words. Don't say them to yourself. 
self-defeating words. Avoid them. But there are also self-deceptive words, the words of the proud, the critical spirit that looks around and criticizes everyone around them in an effort to make themselves feel good about themselves. Those who refuse rebuke. Knowing that we are prone to being deceived by our sinfulness, we should welcome words of correction. Now, our society is, has gone a very different direction than this currently. But as believers in Jesus Christ, we should be different from the society. And that means that we should be people that are willing to hear rebuke, willing to understand where we may not have done things the right way. Words you speak to yourself can be self-defeating, they can be self-deceptive, but they can also be a deep and rich blessing. Speak the gospel to yourself. Remind yourself that you are loved by God, that you are accepted by God, that God hovers over you by the Spirit and sings over you because of his great love and acceptance of you. Tell yourself God's love. Remind yourself that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. Speak words of blessing to yourself as well as to others. The power of words is such that words were used to create everything that is. The power of words is such that Jesus Christ himself is the word the revelation of God to us. God has entrusted the power of words to you. How are you using that power? 